Hello, and welcome to the Blockade Runner podcast number 250. My name is John. Joining me with uh, Guns Out today is Ryan. Mm. What's up, Ryan? Not much. Yeah, I'm... uh, Got those pipes on display. Beautiful day in Colorado, so I am rocking a sleeveless shirt because I'm about to go for a run after we finish this Mm -hmm, episode. mm -hmm. Will you be listening to the, uh, the new Metallica record while you go for the run, Ryan? 72 uh, well, seasons if, or something um if you are not watching the video of this which is likely because we probably won't put this video up um the sleeveless shirt i'm wearing is actually a metallica injustice for all shirt um so no i would not be caught dead listening to the band that i'm wearing the shirt of I see. you never know if someone would stop me and be like hey cool shirt what are you listening to right now I got gotcha. you. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Never fair know. enough. Um, we are going to put the video up, by the way. So um, oh, I, I hope you're feeling good about how your arms look. I think they look great, great. but you know the, um, the video is going up. They are small and white. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Well, uh, we are committed to doing a shorter show today because mm-hmm. um, I have a time constraint that I have to hit. So um, we are going to celebrate our 250th episode of the Blockade Runner podcast by wow. talking a little bit about, yeah, 250 episodes. Yep. Um, going since 2015. So we are eight years, almost eight years, 250 episodes in. So, um wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but anyway, we are going to talk about Jedi Survivor a little bit. Neither one of us has played it a ton, um, mm-hmm. but we have both started it. So we'll talk a little bit about Jedi Survivor. And then we are going to discuss Mandalorian Season 3 and sort of the fandom reaction to it, as well as maybe some ideas for where things are headed. Um uh, via a voicemail from our friend Rural Farm Boy. So we'll we'll play that one um, in a few minutes. And then we'll see um, how much time we have left. We might talk about a little bit of Star Wars news as well. So we're going to uh, kick it off here with Jedi Survivor, which released, we're recording on Sunday. Um, it released two days ago, I suppose. It released on Friday. I had a busy weekend, um, still have a busy weekend, but it, it's been a busy weekend. So I was not able to play on Friday. I was able to play just a little bit on Saturday and um, tried to squeeze in a little bit of time before we recorded today, but I've played maybe an hour. Sounds like you've played, I bet you've played a little more than me, but um, I'm not too far. So uh, how much have you played, Ryan? Or that kind of like? Um, maybe an hour. Um, okay. I've played through the first uh, boss. Okay. I think I may have played through the first boss, too. Is the first okay. boss an Inquisitor, Ryan? It certainly is. Yeah, okay. So I think I just finished that part. Okay. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm going to go to like a new planet or something, or maybe this like chapter's over, but it didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was. Like I feel like, you know, I, I don't know how the game is split up in terms of chapters and things like that, but uh, mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I was like, hmm, maybe it's going to be... Like I finished a portion, I finished a chapter, a section, whatever. But you just kind of keep going after that first boss, yeah, um, is what mm-hmm. it seems like. So, I guess we're in about the exact same place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this will be, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot we can spoil, um, no. really, because it's uh, just basically the first hour of the game. So I yeah. think um, unless you don't want any spoilers at all, um, 
this should be a pretty pretty safe uh, safe listen. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, just taking a peek at Twitter and stuff over the weekend, I know um, many people are much farther into the game than that. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, new hot mm-hmm. game comes out, people are excited. They're going to play more than than an hour. I wish I could have too, but uh, just haven't mm-hmm. had much time. So, but um, I will put chapter markers in the in the audio version of the podcast, so you can always just use those to skip ahead as well if you prefer. So, Ryan, tell me about your mm-hmm. general impressions of Jedi Survivor um, after having played the first little portion. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess I should state I am playing on a PS5, um, and I'm playing on quality mode, um, which is a bit unusual for me. I generally prefer performance mode um, on most modern games. I would rather have... Um, 60 frames per second um but unfortunately in the state that jedi survivor is right now um performance mode drops the resolution a ton um and then it is not a consistent 60 frames per second so um that's actually really jarring um to me um so i just have it on quality mode which is 4k um pretty much locked 30 frames per second. And I will say um, the 30 frames per second in this game um, actually feels pretty smooth and pretty good. Um, And 4K is just astounding um, for this game. It is gorgeous and super detailed. So I actually um, am not too, uh, too bummed out about Mm. that i know they're like um working on patches to improve the performance across like all platforms um in the future um but as of right now like 4k 30 frames per second for this game i think is um really good like it is um it is a super nice looking game um yeah how about how about well let's see that's interesting because i'm playing Mm -hmm. on the xbox series s Mm -hmm. which is the only next generation or whatever console current generation console i have so um and that's fine but uh it is it looks good but like i was playing this morning and there were um the the female character that um that that has a lot of like kind of dialogue and stuff once you meet up with some of the crew that the opening mission you know he's that cal is working with um, <laughs> there was like a whole conversation between the two of them and I was looking at her today and I was like, oh wow, her, her hair is like really jagged and it was just, it, it was like, mm. oh, this does not look amazing. Like, I mean, the game looks good, you know, like I was playing through the game and I didn't, I wasn't noticing any issues visually, um, until it was like people talking to each other and like conversation scenes and stuff. And I was like, this looks like pretty low. I think just like you were saying last week when we were talking about like the textures and stuff, um, because your download was like 150 gigabytes and my download yeah. is like 40 gigabytes, you know? So, uh, you know, the Xbox Series S can't even output in 4K. Um, so, you know, they don't, I guess, as you were pointing out, they don't, it doesn't download the 4K assets and, you know, it's like a, a lower res version of everything. But, um, you know, so that's probably part of it. And then also just to get it to run well on the Series S, I'm guessing mm-hmm. things are just at a... Uh, the textures and, and, and the resolution and everything are all uh, lower. So, yeah, like I said, running around Coruscant, just, um, you know, engaged in, in gameplay and stuff. It was all looking really good. 
but then you know getting into some dialogue scenes and stuff i was like huh looks a little uh little wonky you know like like i I, i'm I'm just guessing. I haven't. I, I was even going to try to look up some footage and and watch that scene maybe from a PS5 or, a, or you know um, a Series X or whatever to see what it looks like mm-hmm. in comparison. But I have a feeling that there are some compromises being made to get this game running on on my Series S, and uh, mm-hmm. you know it's not looking not looking quite as good for me as it as it probably is for you. But uh, you know I'm not I'm not super worried about it I, until a month or two ago. I didn't think I'd be able to play it at all, you know, and I'd have to wait a few mm-hmm. years until whenever I'd end up with a, a console that could run it. So um, it's not a big deal. But uh, I think the, wow, this game is gorgeous kind of vibe is not mm. quite there on the Series S like it is on the the PS5. Yeah, yeah. Um, and technically the Xbox Series S can output 4K. Um, I don't know if it can do it natively or if it uses like checkerboard um upscaling or something um but uh it it can do 4k in some capacity oh okay all right yeah because i remember when they announced it i was like who is this for because i have a a series or a a one x an xbox one x and that Mm -hmm. that plays games in 4k and so then i was like huh i mean it seems like an odd thing like why would i get a series s and then like you know be like i can't even play games and in 4k but mm-hmm. i actually i don't really care that much so it's fine but you know yeah um yeah there's a bunch of hardware weirdness between those two consoles in particular but overall the series s is like a little bit better um than the the one x um for performance and stuff yeah but, and and by the way i didn't I, I should go in and check too but i don't know if it even offers me <laughs> i don't think it even offers like a quality mode versus performance mode or whatever on the series s i think it's probably just like this is the mode that you can play in to make this thing work on this system, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. which is still like impressive for, uh, like essentially a $250, um, console that right. is playing like this next generation game. Yeah. Like, and I got it for times and stuff. Yeah. And I got it for $150. I got the series S for $150 and actually I got it for $0 because I used a Verizon credit that I had to pay for it. So it was a, it's a $300 console that I paid $0 for or $150 of Verizon credit. So it's a, it was a crazy deal for me. So that's That's why I went with the, yeah, that's why I went with the series S and, um, yeah, it's great. I, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, I, I have it plugged into a 1080p TV, so the, the mm. 4K stuff's not really an issue anyway. But, um, you know, like I said, I was noticing a little bit of a reduction in quality, I think, from, from yeah. what you'd get elsewhere. I also I, don't I have it. I think it's the texture. I think it's the texture pack issue. That's mm. why it's a 150 gig download on PS5 and a 45 gig download on Series S. You're just, yeah. it, they just don't have those textures. It's running well, though, like, you know, because that's mm-hmm. one of the things, too, because, you know, I've only played an hour, but a lot of the talk in the couple of days before the game released was like, uh oh, it has a lot of, you know, technical issues and it's going to be, you know, a lot of trouble and, and whatever. I, mm-hmm. It seems like now that that has a lot more to do with the PC version of the game than yep. the console versions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but so anyways, I was waiting to see, like, am I going to have issues you know is it going to have you know is it going to lock up or you know i haven't had any problems but i've only played an hour so yeah yeah nice um yeah as far as the game itself i do think in this case um i do think like the 
the like 4k presentation does the game a service because the beginning of this game is incredibly cinematic like it feels like something that could start a star wars movie um in a way because it's like this cold open um you know you have california kestis is uh in peril um you don't know what's going on um, it's a really compelling opening. It's like pretty low key, but it's like, yeah, this, uh, I don't really know what's going on. I'm trying to just like figure things out as I go and which is like a fun way to open a Star Wars thing. And, uh, yeah, it does feel like incredibly, um, cinematic, um, in the way video games do, um, especially like super genre stuff like this. Like it reminds me a lot of like the, the openings of like, uh, like the Batman Arkham games have like a very similar um, vibe to this, um, where it's like you're kind of cutting back and forth between cutscenes and um, like low key gameplay, mm. um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's really cool. It's a cool way to start um, the game. Um, they introduce a bunch of. Uh, new characters who may not be new if you read the tie-in novel (laughs) i was thinking about that as i was like am i supposed to know who these people are um probably should have read the book but also like they do a really good job like hey this is this character's story and personality in like five lines of dialogue and you're like okay got it like cool these are like star wars archetypes like it's fine um but I don't know, maybe some people like super love these characters um already, but I think they're I think they're cool and they're like a nice addition and they kind of add to the stakes, um, I think in an interesting way, because like you're starting this game, like it's not it's not like a Metroid situation where like you start the game and you're like, Oh, you lost all your powers from the previous game. Um, it's like you have basically all those powers and hey you have uh you have a lightsaber and oh wait you have a double-bladed lightsaber wait you have two lightsabers like you're you can do all these like force powers and stuff like you're super powerful so it's like so it kind of has that um like the superman conundrum for a video game like what do you do when you when you're the character you're playing as is like super powerful at the very beginning of the game um and not following like the kind of conventional um like work your way up um type thing and like how how does that work for gameplay and for gameplay they start with like there's definitely some stormtroopers that you just kind of like mow through but then there's like hey here's these like purge troopers and like super powerful um enemies like right away um and then for the story part of it like you're pretty much like well you know i spoilers i guess for the last game but you're like well i survived darth vader at the end of the last game like you know i don't i don't think i'm gonna get like cut down by just a general like dude in um at at the start of this game i don't feel very threatened but Story-wise, um, I think the the threat comes in to these 
characters that you're kind of in charge of, like these other characters who are like supporting you and your mission who are just like average people. Mm. So like that's I think where like the tension and like the threat comes in and we see one of those characters killed very early in the game and you're like, whoa, that th- that's that's real. Three of them really. Oh. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um there is one in particular. I mean one with them. one that says things, like says dialogue, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. but two that give hugs. Two that give hugs got killed, you know what I mean? So That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I think that's that's going to be like the stakes um here in this in this story. Like can it's like that Jedi dilemma of like can you protect the people that you care about? Yeah. Although it's interesting, the uh, the opening mission is like sort of like, okay, reconnect with your crew, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember my crew from playing Jedi Fallen Order, you know? And then you show up to meet your crew, and it's like... Not that crew. Oh, I don't know these people, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's interesting, too, because like in the opening mission, you have Bode, B-O-D-E, Bode, who maybe mm-hmm. is in the book, I don't know. But um, although Cal doesn't really seem to know him either. Like, Cal's like, so what's your story, you know? So maybe he's not yeah. really in the book. I'm, I'm not sure. But anyway, this Bode guy was like... I was playing for a while and I was like, oh man, I hope this game is not like the entire time it's me and Bode, you know what I mean? Like doing our thing. Like I'm going to get kind of annoyed with Bode. Like I do not want to play a Cal and Bode buddy cop game, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. by the time I got to the, you know, the, the, the part we're talking about where the stakes are kind of amped up a little and, and we find out that, you know, some of these characters can die and things like that. And, and not only that, but just when a bunch more supporting characters come in, I was like, okay, so it's not just gonna be like the Cal and Bode story here, I, I don't mm-hmm. think. I would imagine yeah. there'll be other missions where maybe other people will join you and, you know, whatever. So, and, and Bode grew on me a little bit too as it went, but mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, this guy's gonna be following me around, talking to me the whole time I'm playing this game. Yeah, it, it didn't bode well. <laughs> um, yeah, and you mentioned Metroid too, yeah. and I was like, I kind of wish I could just explore Coruscant and not have some guy like <laughs> chatting with me the whole time, you know. So yeah. we'll we'll see how that all shakes out. I mean, you know, I'm I'm just curious to see. Like, I think it's um, it adds some dynamics and, and it'll make it fun and interesting to have mm-hmm. you know some other characters with you and some team ups and stuff like that. But I also want to just be like me and BD out on some some journeys as well. So. Yeah. yeah, and we've seen from gameplay clips um, that there are other characters that um, are yeah. join you um, right. and stuff, right. and I think that does add an interesting dynamic to the to the to the combat, um, and you know, it just makes things different. It's just one of those like video game sequel things. It's it's so funny because like we keep mentioning Metroid and. This is one of those things like when, you know, in like the the Wii era when they were like trying to figure out like what to do with Metroid. And it's like, well, you know, can we can we always just have Samus like going somewhere and exploring by herself and losing all her powers and stuff? And like, you know, starting with uh, Prime 3, like you have these like other other dudes who are showing up and like, you know. I, it's just like one of those kind of like sequel things and like the original um Jedi Fallen Order like it it did have some like Metroid comparisons um I think those ended up being a little overblown um cuz it doesn't totally feel like a Metroid game um to me but um but yeah it's like what do you 
what do you do after a game of like a character just kind of like exploring mostly by themselves? It's like, well, yeah. you give them other people maybe to change the dynamic. <laughs> like, I think sure. I think the Metroid comparisons are mostly valuable in the sense that like the map because I just re- as you did too I just played re- uh, a replay of Metroid Prime the remastered mm-hmm. version for Switch and I think like mm-hmm. the map you know and is is inspired by metroid prime for sure i feel like the way the map operates um and then you go to some planets you and then you come back to them later and you can do things that you couldn't do the first time you were there which mm-hmm. is you know it's not like not like metroid's the only game that does that right but there, there's right. like some some metroid prime kind of aspects to it in that regard but i think that's about where it stops you know i don't think they were like you know, this is going to be our Alan Ripley stand-in, California Kestis, mm-hmm. and he's going to be on yeah. a, a dark and scary, you know, kind of mission on his own. Or it's not that kind of Metroid influence. It's more just like, you know, what if what if we uh, included power-ups that would allow uh, Cal to come back and, and, you know, explore areas of these worlds that he wasn't able to the first time around? I think that's about, you know, the bulk of it, really. And the map, like I said. And scanning. But yeah, pretty much yeah. every every game post Metroid Prime has had like scanning and you know and, environmental it, storytelling in that way. And you scan so much in Metroid Prime that like the the level of scanning that you do in this game is like doesn't even exist compared to how That's much scanning true. you do in Metroid Prime. Yeah. Oh my god, you so constantly you know scanning simulator. I finished and with like seventy percent scanned when I played replayed it again, and I same. I felt like I I do that I was every time scanning. I play Metroid Prime, and I played through that game like five times, and yeah. every time I'm like I scanned everything, and they're like you scanned sixty four percent of everything. Right. It's like I, know, I mean, I was, what was left for me to scan? Um, I will say um, something that uh, like a a big quality of life improvement that. Um, just is like right there from the get-go um the map in this game for me feels so much more um easy to navigate um compared to the last one like because they did that like 3d metroid prime style map um in in the last game and sometimes i was like i don't even understand what i'm looking at or where i'm supposed to go with this right now um like but like this one it's a little more clear there's like um sorry to like compare this to like another nintendo game but uh the breath of the wild sort of like tracks that you've made Mm, yeah yeah. um on there so it's like oh well i don't want to go that way because that's the way i came in um which just that goes a long way um and i feel like i'm able to understand um where i'm going a lot better yeah, I think I'm going to have to get used to it, though, too, because um, at least in this first mission, there's like verticality to it, you know, like there's different levels of the of the area of Coruscant you're exploring and mm-hmm. your objective where you're trying to get to is, you know, like clear where it is on the map and you'll get like I would find myself getting closer to it and then really what I needed to do was go up or down somewhere to then come mm-hmm. back around or whatever. But I was like, it that. I think just playing it more, I'll get used to that sort of thing. But I was like, well, I already like, why would I go back there? But it's because when you go back there, now you have the ability to zip up to something else or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, but there were times where I was getting a little confused in the opening um, mission or chapter or whatever you want to call it, where I was like, 
I feel like I'm going back to someplace I've already been, like I'm backtracking. Now, one thing that's good in this game, um, and I guess a lot of video games, is usually you can tell if you're on the right path or not because more stormtroopers will pop up if you, mm-hmm. <laughs> stormtroopers will pop up if you're if you're going in the right direction. So, you know, it wasn't too bad, but. Um, unless you uh, rest and reset all the enemies. That's true, too. That's true, too. Um, there were a few yeah. times where I rested, but or where I saved, but didn't rest because I didn't want to reset them all. Yeah. Um, there's one thing that, uh, one time I got stuck, um, which was like a very annoying, like modern video game type thing. Um, cause like I went to, I was like, okay, I think I'm heading in the right direction. I like went into this room, found like an item and it's like, okay, cool. Uh, where do I go from here? Like, oh, maybe I was just supposed to go in this room to like find this item and like, I need to actually go back to where I was and go a different direction. So I did that. And kind of, like, ran around in a circle, and then I was like, wait, I must have missed something in that last room. So, like, I went back to where I was, and it was like, oh, you have to, like, walk through this, like, crack in the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, (laughs) it's like, oh, like, we can't just have, like, a door here or an exit way. Like, you have to, like, squeeze through this crack. Yeah, I had that moment, too. Mm -hmm. Because there, there are some rooms that are just, you're just going into that room so you can you know, open up a crate and get a lightsaber part or whatever. And there's Mm -hmm. nothing else to do in that room. So yeah. Um, I had at least one moment like that with the, uh, the shimmy through passageway. Mm -hmm. I also Mm -hmm. felt like this opening mission, which is, this is a good thing, I think, but like overall this opening mission was just like, okay, it's just reintroducing me to all the things that I did in fallen order, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's, there's running along the wall passages and, you know, shimmying through the skinny part passages and, you know, force pushing something to open, uh, you know, like all, you just basically are doing a greatest hits of all the stuff that you did in the first Mm -hmm. game. But you know, that's what you need to do, obviously in the opening, like tutorial kind of level or whatever. So, um, and it doesn't really feel super like a tutorial necessarily, but it certainly is introducing all of the, the key kind of mechanics and stuff, you know, in the opening there. So, yeah, but, um, overall game seems, uh, very cool. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see how, uh, the story plays out in particular. Um, it's nice to have a little bit of star Wars while we're on like a bit of a TV break, um, right now. But, um, Unfortunately, I may not end up finishing the game until summer-ish, um, because, like, basically, the game, it's just, like, bad timing. Um, I have just a lot of, like, life stuff going on um, right now, and then um, playing a lot of stuff for my other project. Um, But then also, I'm just... a obsessed and like super deep into advance wars uh remake on switch and like that's when i have like a little bit of time to play something like that's what i've been wanting to play um and i want to you know you know play through that and finish it um so and then you know we're also two weeks away from the new zelda and then once that hits it's game over so there's a big chance that i don't get to back to survivor um until post zelda um i'll probably play it like a little bit here and there um but probably knowing that it is like a 15 to 20 hour game like it's probably not gonna happen until like june ish yeah um, unfortunately yeah yeah i'm with you i i don't think 
well, I can just flat out tell you right now, I'm not going to finish it before Zelda comes out. And then Zelda is definitely going to really slow down my progress. I do hope to like maybe play it once a week or twice a week, maybe once Zelda's out, you know, mm-hmm. probably not in the first week or two that Zelda's out. But after that, maybe I, you know, hopefully I'll come back to it a little <laughs> right. bit here and there um, and try to finish it up. I mean, maybe I, Zelda will suck. And then we'll be like, cool, I'm glad I have this like backup plan. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to suck. Um, yeah, me neither. So, yeah. But uh, so we probably won't have the most timely coverage of Jedi Survivor on the Blockade Runner podcast, but I'm sure plenty plenty of other shows will. Um, but we'll we'll definitely like kind of check back in on it and see, see uh, where we're at. And I'm sure we'll both play, you know, a fair chunk more before... Um, before Zelda comes out, so yeah. All right, cool. Well, then uh, let's let's move on to uh, sort of next section of the episode here. Um, last week, at the end of the episode, we were hoping to you know listen to this voicemail from our friend Rural Farm Boy, who weighed in on the discussion around uh, the Mandalorian season three and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, didn't have time to do that last week, so we are gonna um, we're gonna do that now, Ryan. I'm gonna try to play it live on the show, so you'll have to. Give me a thumbs up or let me know. Hopefully you can you can hear it and it's included in the recording here. So um, let's uh, let's check in with Rural Farm Boy. Howdy, John and Ryan. It's your longtime listener friend, Rural Farm Boy, RFB. Want to send you a quick little message here. I hope it's quick and little. Um, just sitting at home and listen to your review of Mandalorian Chapter Twenty Three, The Spies. And at the start of the start of the pod, Ryan brought up some things that I agree with, where he was saying he was taking notice that some folks are kind of putting their opinions out and then but they're stating them as like they're a fact, which that can't be an opinion and is an opinion. Neither right nor wrong, it's an opinion. Just like good or bad, they're both opinions. Uh, I've been seeing some of that, and I've been hearing quite a bit of it over the past couple years in my playlist. And I'm not calling anybody out because that's John, you run Blockade Run Twitterverse. That's not what I do. But I can speak to that because I've been hearing that. And not just from this season of The Mandalorian, but also heard it through... Kenobi's run and the book of Boba Fett and quite a few other things where it's like I said in my long time ago past voice message to you yeah I'm hearing that and I'm yelling back at people speaking to me from the past it's folks it's tied to their expectations they think they know how they want the story to go when it ain't their story you're not the storyteller. It's the story being told to you. That's why you should go to it, to be told a story. Don't get in your own way. And also, folks, that some of them same ones got their thoughts and opinions about how they don't know what they're doing at Lucasfilm and John and Dave got no plan or idea. But leading up to Celebration and even at, we've been told over and over how Dave said it. He's, they've got this big whiteboard where all their thoughts and ideas are being planned out from 
Mando season one to where it's going to go and meet up with what they're going to be having Dave Filoni tie up everything that's not just Mando, but also Skeleton Crew and Ahsoka. There's stories that are going to cross over with each other through that timeline. They've got a plan. Just be ready. Because I follow spoilers, and I see where this is going. And by the time you're getting this, you're also going to be reviewing Chapter 24, which dropped today. The last Mandalorian Wednesday. And some folks are wondering why Thrawn didn't turn up. So I feel like, since I said I follow spoilers, this is safe enough because the information's out there that I can speak to why some folks are thinking Thrawn was going to show up, but he can't. It's because when we seen him get took away by the Imperial on Lothal, he turned up in a new spot in the galaxy. It's not the unknown regions, not wild space. It's kind of being termed right now as new space is where he is. Ezra's off on his own thing. And this is also safe because the info's out there is for Ahsoka. It's going to be, there's eight episodes, and the first four is going to be Morgan Elsbeth. Remember her? That based off Ahsoka in Mando Season 2, Chapter 14, The Jedi. Yeah, she's fixing to go get him. And then he'll turn back up then, which should be right around the timeline of The Mandalorian Season 2. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But there you go, boys. Looking forward to the next show in my podcast playlist. And until then, may the force be with you. See you on the radio. Okay. Uh, sorry, I was muted there. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so thanks very much to uh, Rural Farm Boy for the message there. You know, a couple things um, for us to, to respond to, Ryan. Um, one is, of course, you know, audience expectations, specifically mm-hmm. for season three of Mandalorian, but, you know, just for Star Wars and, and media in general, audience expectations. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's that element of it. And then, of course, the uh, the throne of it all and where things are going with um, with uh, with Ahsoka and... Um, and Thrawn story. So um, I've listened to the voicemail a couple times now, getting it ready for last week's show and then for this week's show. So let's throw to you. What's uh, what are your kind of um, reactions to uh, to Anthony's message there? Yeah, I mean, I think I think expectations are a natural thing um, for for viewers, like uh, especially with with Star Wars. Like we have been, we have, like a lot of us. Um, you know, the kind of, I guess, middle, uh, middle age of Star Wars fans. Um, like we've been doing this since, you know, Phantom Menace of like, you know, combing over trailers, getting pumped, like what will be here? What won't be like, could this happen? Like kind of thing. And I think, you know, when you, when you get kind of, in that zone, um, you you can create narratives where you're like, this is the only way this story can work. 
Um, and I think that's like kind of an unnatural thing or like this is the best way because what I have in my head is amazing. Um, you know, cause our, our minds are the greatest cinema, um, ever. So, uh, yeah, I think it's like, I think it's natural, um, for people to have expectations and to make predictions and I don't begrudge people for that. Like we do it constantly. We're going to do it on this episode. Um, and sometimes, like, you know, expectations can be, like, really, like, excited and, like, hype. And sometimes expectations can be really cynical and low. Um, and, I, you know, like, I'll admit I was going into season three of Mandalorian with incredibly low and pretty cynical um, expectations. And I ended up being, like, so pleasantly surprised. And I think that's really like what I what I want out of Star Wars, which I've said a million times on the show, like I'll make predictions and whatever, but like what I really want is to be surprised and challenged. Like I don't want things to go exactly how they are in my head for better or worse. Like um, you know, cause if I had great Star Wars ideas, I would be writing Star Wars. Um, and so I would, you know, I, I, I want to be surprised and challenged and like Mandalorian season three, um, did that, um, so well, um, for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I totally agree. I mean, I think to me, um, uh, making predictions or having expectations for stuff is a huge part of the fun, right? So mm-hmm. like you said, we we do that on the show. We've been doing that for 20 plus years. Um, and there's always a, a lot of time between when something is announced or, you know, we find out about it to when we actually see it. And so in that time, if you love something, you're thinking about it, you're, you're building up expectations, making predictions, et cetera, of what it's going to be. Um, for me, I think what's most important anyway, you know, for me is that, when I have those expectations or I make predictions for myself or, you know, I anticipate what something's going to be, I think it's really important to be open to it not being that, you know, Mm kind of like you were saying. And I Mm -hmm. think sometimes when people get the angriest and the most upset, it's because they spent so much time convincing themselves that I think you used this phrase, Ryan, like that there's only one way this story can go. It has to go this one way. Then when it doesn't, it feels like sometimes, I mean, sometimes it almost feels like a betrayal or something. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know, the other part of Anthony's message that I really respond to that resonates with me is, you know, the way we sometimes talk about creators and the creative people and that, that make stuff. And I think, you know, I've, I've done this, uh, many times myself too, but I, I try to stop myself from doing, it. I don't think it's a, it's a particularly, um, I don't know. I don't think it really benefits anybody when we kind of get into these ways of talking about creatives, like, you know, they don't know what they're doing or like they don't have any, you know, like there's just, there, the, the process of creating stuff like this is there's so much to it. And, um, even when something like doesn't turn out all that well, it's still pretty impressive, like, you know, what people are able to do yeah. and, you know, so, so mm-hmm. when like, oh, well, season three didn't hit for me, therefore these guys don't know what they're doing and they're not trying or they're lazy or, you know, that kind of stuff is just mm-hmm. like really not productive. And I, you know, 
it's okay to be disappointed by stuff. Obviously it's okay to, Mm -hmm. you know, not enjoy something. But I think when you get into a place where you're making it personal and again, have I done this? Yes, I've done it. Do I do it sometimes? Yes, Mm -hmm. I do. Like, Mm -hmm. do I think I should? No, not really. You know what I mean? And so, um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, if you don't like something and you're disappointed by it, like vent, get it off your chest, you know, be unhappy, whatever, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But also sometimes like people really sit in that like anger and frustration and, oh my God, they're so dumb and I can't believe they did this and like all that stuff. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know what that's really doing for anybody either. So I kind of feel like let people enjoy what they enjoy, you know, as much as you Mm -hmm. can and, and you enjoy what you enjoy. And at the end of the day, there's, there's stuff I don't, you know, stuff I was excited for that doesn't end up really working for me. And I'm, I'm disappointed, but I, I try to move on. Right. Like, because mm-hmm. when you just sit in it and resonate with it, I just like, I don't, I don't want to feel that way. You know what I mean? And then I, mm-hmm. what's the point of putting that out there into the world over and over all the time too, you know? So I don't yeah. know. I mean, and I think like, especially when we're talking about, um, you know, mass market media produced by the the largest entertainment corporation on the planet like i i think you know we're it's not to say don't be critical of that like right. i think um you know i think a critical lens is also important to you know parsing out like what you do enjoy and don't cuz i think like also, I don't think it would be, like, you know, satisfying as a fan to just, like, completely turn off all your critical capacity and just be like, that was fine, that was fine, that was fine. Like, like I mean, that's eventually, I don't know, I, I think, like, you know, really lean into the stuff that you do like and really try to, like, understand why you don't like things, Um but, you know, as as was stated in the 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 voicemail, opinions are not facts. Um, I think there's facts that are rooted in opinion and vice versa. Um, and I think, you know, there is like when when there is like this this narrative of like, you know, Disney, Star Wars, the creators don't know what they're doing. They don't have a plan. Well, I mean, that's a huge opinion. There's also some factual evidence behind that. There are like the, you know, creative changes in um, the film lineups and the the creators and everything there. And, um, you know, the the sequel trilogy, like they had a plan and that plan did not work out. Um, and so I think there is like something to that. And it's not like completely without merit, but, you know, you got to really um i don't know like be able to kind of like sort that stuff out in like a not crazy person way i think it's the way you talk about it right it's the way you talk Mm -hmm. about it because it's like it's one thing it's like if he's like okay the sequel trilogy they didn't have a plan you know they they were they're flying by the sea of their pants they didn't have a plan and 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 you know like you said there's evidence to support uh that position right so okay so you can feel that way you can say those things you know but there's there's a way to say that and be like wow i think it would have been better if they had a plan you know or i i might have enjoyed those movies more if they had more of a plan or if things went the way they initially planned that they would go um but then there's the they ruined every you know i mean like there's the the, the, the this hyper emotional like 
they, you know, betrayed us because they didn't have a plan and they're idiots and they're, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And it's like, I think there is a certain, like one of the things that, that Rural Farm Boy said there that I, I really agree with is like, it's not your story to tell, you know what I mean? And do yeah. we have, do we have like a feeling of ownership and entitlement over Star Wars? Of course we do, because we love it, mm-hmm. right? And it is being made for the audience. But at the, at the end of the day, like if you respect creative people and you respect the creative process and you want something that has personal touch and heart and, you know, um, real love behind it, then you have to be willing to let, you know, a filmmaker tell the story they want to tell instead of like whatever story you've decided they must tell, you know? And, uh, yeah, I think like, you know, I was, as you were talking about, Hey, it's, it's okay to, you shouldn't just like everything. You shouldn't just accept everything, you know? And, and if you were just like this unfeeling robot who was like, you know, every Star Wars thing is beautiful. I love it so much. You know, there, there's not a lot of joy in that either, right? Like, for yeah. sure. And I was thinking of, like, the Toro Calican episode of The Mandalorian Season 1, which I don't like very much, you know? Nope. Or I was thinking of the uh, the um, Clone Wars episode uh, with the Wills, Yoda and the Wills and all that stuff, you know? Like, I don't like that very much. Uh, I, I should go back and watch some of those episodes again. Now I want to go back and watch the world between worlds for sure. I want to go back and watch that, that Yoda and the wills episode, but they did not work for me very much. But I also, my brand, you know, my personal brand is not like Dave Filoni's an idiot because those episodes suck. And like, I can't believe he did that shit to us. You know what I mean? Like, that's Mm -hmm. not (laughs) like you can, I, I can, I can dunk on and like not, really enjoy and even maybe make fun of a little Mm -hmm. bit some of that stuff but like at the end of the day how much energy am i putting into uh enjoying and celebrating the stuff that works for me versus how much energy am i putting into uh you know trash talking the stuff or being angry about the stuff that doesn't work for me and also Mm -hmm. at the end of the day how much energy am i putting into trying to understand why a story was told the way it was and why the people who made it may have wanted to tell the story that way versus how much energy am I putting into, you know, um, trying to make whatever they did fit into the thing that I expected it to be in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I, it sounds almost, um, I hope it doesn't sound like arrogant or whatever, but like, I honestly think it would be better for people's emotional health and whatever. And just like, I just feel like I feel better when I'm, when I'm more focused on the stuff I enjoy and I'm more focused on trying to understand why things, you know, are the way they are versus being pissed off about the stuff I, I don't like, you know? Um, so I don't know. Cause there's plenty of stuff I don't like. I just don't really, I just try to move on from it. You know, I don't know. So mm-hmm. that's where I'm at. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know what else, what else there is to say about this except um, just a general statement. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic user reviews need to be abolished. Um, yeah, yeah. In general, yeah. Um, I think you know all of. But I think like there's so much ways there's so many ways to. It's just like politics. Like there's so many ways to just platform on like just ultra negativity mm-hmm. um or ultra positivity too like um and just and cuz i think like you know we we generally use like the term like being critical of something in like a oh people are being like negative and picking it apart but like you can 
also like be critical of things that like you really like or think are really well made and you know um really be thoughtful about that and i think some people are critical in like a basic sense and negative and some people are like uncritical and positive um in ways too which i don't which i also don't feel like i mean whatever like that's fine if that's how you consume media and stuff but um but yeah i don't think that's um super fulfilling um either um or yeah like thoughtful um but uh yeah i don't know it's you know it's been like this since we were kids it was literally this same stuff was happening in like a different way when i got into star wars like i've said so many times on the show like i i didn't watch star wars like as a super young kid like i didn't see the movies you know in the original theatrical runs because i wasn't alive for um most of them and uh also like i didn't have like the vhs tapes or anything um and didn't ever see them on tv and you know their just access was like limited for such a huge thing like i just didn't see them growing up and then it was you know it was the the special editions um in the theater and i think like i had finally like kind of watched the movies like when the thx vhs came out um but then it was the special editions in the theater where I felt like that super strong connection where I was like, you know, seeing them like with people and like on the on the big screen. I was like, oh, wow, these are like special, like mm. compared to like other, you know, things that I like enjoyed at that time. And then like and then like kind of immediately after that, like um, I I got to experience people being like the special editions are the worst thing to ever happen to star Wars. Like this is completely ruining my childhood. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and then like, then it was the build up to Phantom Menace and, uh, well, everyone loved that movie in the previous, so <laughs> it was fine, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but yeah, so I feel like I've just been experiencing this for the entirety of my star Wars fandom. And honestly, like, um, the fact that people like care enough to be so angry, like what, like you can be like star Wars is worthless. It doesn't matter now. Like it's Disney's ruined it, like whatever. And it's like, well, you're still obsessed with it and you're still leaving zero star, like Metacritic reviews and being like super mad about it. So, I mean, it's more relevant than you. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Um, I want to say thank you one more time to uh, mm-hmm. to Rural Farm Boy Anthony for sending in the voicemail. Uh, we love that. I, I love this. I love uh, to have um, you know listener feedback to the show and um, mm-hmm. kind of takes us totally. down roads we might not otherwise go down. So to anyone mm-hmm. listening, we we'd love to 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 have more messages and voicemail and stuff like that. Um, so uh, and we'll we'll talk about how you can send those to us at the end of the show. Ryan, we're almost out of time. But mm-hmm. there is a really interesting story, and I feel like talking about like what we want versus what a creator <laughs> might want to give us is mm-hmm. like it leads right into this. I have ten minutes or less, but let's talk yeah. about it very quickly. We found yeah. out over the weekend, um, Damon Lindelof was doing uh, an interview uh, with Esquire, I think, and he says, um, "Well, they asked him about his uh, involvement in Star Wars, and he says I was in more than talks to join the Star Wars universe. I joined the Star Wars universe." 
and was asked to leave. <laughs> um, so, you know, we basically knew that, right? We pretty much knew that, but I, I find it refreshing to hear Lindelof himself say, yeah, yeah, no, I, I was doing it. And then I was fired. So, hey, um, but then what's really interesting is, is his response after that too. Um, because he just says, will I get back in line outside the club and try to get back in again? Absolutely. If at first you don't mm-hmm. succeed, try and try again, or again, again, try as Yoda would say, which, you know what, like, Talking about like a healthy response to things, like I, I really appreciate this. Like, yeah, man, it did not work out, and he seems to be pretty positive, and or at least just not like not in burn it down mode. You know, he's like even quoting yeah. Yoda to be like, yeah, I'll try again if they if they let me. I think that's uh, that's pretty refreshing and pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, as I've said, when he was like first attached to this project, like I think he is could potentially be a phenomenal fit for star wars dude loves it so deeply he has like way like even like when star wars was dead i've told this story a million times but when i used to read when i was obsessed with lost and i would read those lost interviews and everything about it like he talked about um the first time he met up with jj abrams he was wearing like an original uh bantha tracks um t-shirt that he had got like you know um as a teenager or whatever for being part of the star wars fan club and him and like jj connected hardcore you know about that and this this is when like before the disney deal like there wasn't star wars like happening like and you know he's he's just like such a like legit fan and he probably has like He's, I think he's also like a brilliant storyteller and he has some just incredible and creative ideas and um, he, his Star Wars idea, I'm sure was like completely bonkers and probably made perfect sense in his head, but unfortunately there just isn't, wasn't a place for it or something. I don't think it's like a situation um, of him being like a jerk or something, um, or someone being a jerk to him. Um, I think it's unfortunate, but just like knowing who are the people involved, like knowing who he is, knowing who the people involved are at Lucasfilm. I don't think it was like a, like, a you know, just you're impossible to work with type thing. I think, I think, there's strong views um, from probably both sides and they weren't able to kind of reconcile. And I think that's like a natural thing. And this is really disappointing to me, like as a fan, but um, it is reassuring that like, he's going to get back in line. Well, let's talk super quickly about uh, allegedly what the project was because (laughs) um, Jeff Snyder, uh, who hosts the Hot Mike podcast and has made a lot of predictions that were very like he seems like he has the inside track, you know. In fact, mm-hmm. I think he was the one who um, revealed that Lindelof was working on a Star Wars thing like a year ago or something. And so okay. um, hmm. I don't know if this is tr- you know who knows if this is true or not, but um, I believe there is reason to think he knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. So he said uh, that um, Lindelof's movie was going to feature Ray 60 years in the future, played by Helen Mirren, and that Ray would be mentoring two non-white Jedi, a man and a woman, 
Um, and that, you know, like I said, um, he, he had, had not talked to Helen Mirren about it, but apparently that's who he was thinking of for the role. Um, and, uh, then I guess he also says that, um, Lindelof and Charmaine Obeid-Shinoy, the director of the movie, weren't really seeing eye to eye on this, on this idea or whatever. And so mm-hmm. that might be part of, of, of the deal there, but basically said Lucasfilm didn't like the script and then they asked him to leave. Um. So, yeah, this is, uh, I tell you what, when I saw this news, like, oh, 60-year-old Ray or whatever, I, I had two thoughts. One, George Lucas would love this stuff. Like, this is bold. Like, this is not what fans would be asking for, wanting, expecting. Mm-hmm. This is some George Lucas-ass, like, idea for a, for a new Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's awesome and bold and pretty pretty cool. The other thing I think when I, when I think about this is, like, we're immediately going to set up a situation where we know the end of a character's story and then we're going to go back in time and fill in blanks and like do all this bouncing around stuff that Star Wars does Mm -hmm. a lot or has done a lot. But that's a big complaint that I think people have too with Star Wars. It's like, when are we going to move forward? And this would be moving way the hell forward, Mm -hmm. but I think it would almost necessitate then afterwards moving back. You know what I mean? And so I I don't know how well that would work for like this big Star Wars landscape canvas, et cetera. Plus, I kind of want to see Daisy Ridley play Ray, you know, as much as this is a cool idea or like an Mm -hmm. exciting idea and an interesting idea. It's like, yeah. Oh, and I guess one more thing that Jeff Snyder had said is like, he didn't think John Boyega had been involved in this at all, but it's like, well, yeah, it doesn't sound like Daisy Ridley was involved in it at all because it would be 60 year old. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but anyways, what, what are your thoughts on this idea of, uh, Helen Mirren, 60 year old Ray, 60 years in the future, Ray, whatever. It's bonkers, and I deeply love this idea. <laughs> I like. I would, I would be so amped for this movie. Um, yeah, it's really exciting. It's really bold. I also completely understand why it wouldn't happen. Um, like, I mean, I'm. If I had the choice of like the next Star Wars movie being like sixty year old Ray, not played by Daisy Ridley, or the next one being like what is it, 15 years years, later, played by Daisy Ridley, like, no, I mean, that's a tough, that's a tough call, like, I, I mean, I think, I don't know, I don't know which would be better, I don't know which I would like more, um, I, you know, there's stuff I like about both ideas, um, this is, what a, what a crazy script idea. It's crazy, like, yeah. There, and, like, no one, like, stopped him, like, bef- before. Like, in his initial pitch, like, he was... That's the kind of thing where I'm... Where there there was no one who's like, uh, yeah, maybe don't spend six months writing that because there's no way we're gonna shoot this. Like, yeah, I would, I would love to know more about the process yeah. and, you know, like... Um, but maybe maybe it was something where he's like working on the initial idea and then he just like one moment wakes up in the middle of the night like eyes wide open and goes oh my god what if we did this instead yeah. and he spends like three weeks just like blasting out like something you know not a full script but like really it could be something like that too who knows yeah you know? but man uh yeah it's wild it's wild uh i mean you look at the other other like genre things on his resume like his like prometheus and his approach to watchmen and like yeah this completely makes sense like this does make sense i will say um i think this is bold i think it's it's really interesting i think it's super creative etc all that i will say 
to a certain extent, you could look at it from another angle and say like, well, it's kind of, it's kind of just going back to the Star Wars genre conventions or the, the sort of like the, basically the, the Star Wars playbook as far as, you know, what kind of Star Wars stories do we tell? Well, we tell stories about young Obi-Wan and then we tell Star Wars about old mentor Obi-Wan, you know? Mm-hmm. We tell Star Wars stories about young Luke and then he's on Octo and grumpy, you know, Luke. Um, and so it is kind of new to say, uh, I don't know, news the right word, but, you know, to, to say, well, actually, we're going to catch up with Daisy Ridley 15 years later and, like, we're going to actually try to explore that part of the story. Not just mm-hmm. like, oh, here, here I was at the beginning of my life and here I am at the end of my life, but actually, like, really, you know... So I still think this is a crazy idea, but, you know, it's also like kind of what has happened with quite a few major Star Wars characters in terms of the way the stories have been told in the past, you know? Yeah, I think like what would have been different about this is like it wasn't like, you know, like The Last Jedi didn't happen five years after Return of the Jedi, like kind of thing. Um, Because, you know, I think people were expecting Daisy Ridley to, or hoping, you know, Daisy Ridley would return and we'd get like the next chapter. Um, Because that's, you know, kind of of how they they set it up. Um, So this would have been like, just, you know, a huge, huge fast forward. And then, then you're right. Like then we would have gone, you know, backwards and, yeah like i get why it's not happening i think this could have been a cool direction but also there are probably so many other plates spinning that like if we had gone in this direction like what do you even do with like all the other kind of like logical progression stories that were already like in the works yeah, because you start answering questions and then the stories you want to tell in the middle have to like line up with whatever questions mm-hmm. were answered sort of all at the end. Um, so, yeah, that that's another component of it. And then, too, one thing I just I got to go. But one thing I want to say kind of quickly here, Ryan, that's funny to me is like we've talked a lot on the show and many other people have talked a lot about like what is going to be Star Wars big return to the theaters. And so mm-hmm. Lindelof's idea, I guess, was like. <laughs> 60 80 70 80 year old ray like was like that was going to be mm-hmm. the big return you know but obviously it sounds like there would have been younger characters there as well and so you know whatever but it's just i think they're going certainly with the probably safer more crowd-pleasing option for the big star wars return to the movie theaters as well you know which hey that is um probably smart hopefully going to be really yeah. awesome too um not yeah. as bold not as bold but you know when you're playing with billions of dollars, I guess, you know, you could understand why, you know. And also you're playing with this, the future of Star Wars, though, to be honest, too. Like, because yeah. if it comes back and it's not, it's like, oh, we took this really wild, weird, creative swing and it didn't bring audiences in. That really hurts. Like, that, that affects everything that comes that afterwards, too. You know what I mean? a yeah. lot of problems. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, gotta go, gotta go. So thank you so much for listening um, or watching this week's episode of the Blockade Runner podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was saying at the top, if you want to reach out to the show, you can email the show, blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can send in a voicemail. Um, Rural Farm Boy just uh, you know recorded a little voice message and emailed it in to us. Um, so that works. Um, and that is uh, blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Blockade Run. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at... 
by Malay, V-A-Y-A-M-A-L-A-Y, or Standard Definition Gaming, D-E-F-S-T-A-N-480, and there will be some Star Wars stuff soon. Awesome. And uh, some of these stories, like this uh, Lindelof stuff and... Um, you know, other things happening in Star Wars uh, every day we're talking about in our Discord, which is really cool. So you should come join our Discord um, if you're a Discord user or, uh, you know what, get the app and become one um, because it's a it's a it's a good time. And the link to our Discord is in the show notes um, and on the website. So you can join us there. So, yeah, thanks very much for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Blockade Runner podcast May 4th is just a few days away. Star Wars Visions 2 and lots of other fun stuff. So we will be back soon. <laughs>